everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. Now, this intro is called Rise of the King. And since men, we look at you as kings, I thought this would be so appropriate for my fantastic Fellas Friday. So, fellas, Rise of the King is dedicated to you, and I hope you guys enjoy this fantastic Fellow Friday episode. On this fantastic Fellows Friday, as I said, I'm trying to link all this week's episodes to um, each other. And this is about voting. And this is about the black male vote. So on this fantastic Fellows Friday, we're going to talk about a man and his mission and his project and his organization named W. Mondale Robinson. I was going through, as usual, the um, channels, and I saw an interview he did, which I am going to play, but I, I, I was really interested because, as you know, this Tuesday in a lot of states, um, well, I think in all of them is Election Day, November 2nd, and Black men, this is directed to you specifically, please vote. Get out there and vote. I know a lot of you feel your vote don't count, but it does. And I went to the website of his organization, which we're going to talk about, but I'm just going to read some of the things and why this organization exists. It's called the Black Male Voter Project. And it says, I went to their website and it says, fresh off the heels of the 2020 election cycle, Americans had the awakening of the importance of voting in both presidential and midterm elections, a trend that has been building over time. I keep telling y'all that it's not just the presidential election year that you need to vote. You need to vote. Actually, your local uh, election is more important because it affects your everyday life. According to research conducted by the Brookings Institution, the November 2018 midterm election for House of Representative candidates had 115.1 million votes cast, a 5% increase from the 79.2 million votes cast in the 2014 election. They also confirmed that higher voter turnout persisted into the four special elections held in 2019 as well. Historically, women have had slightly higher rate, excuse me, rates of voter turnout in every U.S. presidential election since 1984. When we look at eligible voters by race, black women have also had higher voter turnout in comparison to black men. The Pew Research Center reported that in 2016, 64% of eligible black women said they voted compared with 54% of black men. This is uh, quoted by uh, W. Mondale Robinson, who is the founder of the Black Male Voter Project. And he's working to increase the number of black men who participate in electoral politics and beyond. 
Now, Mr. Robinson is the National Political Director for Democracy for America, as well as a political contributor for the Village Celebration and a political consultant with 20 years of political consultant and political work experience. He founded the Black Male Voter Project after repeatedly witnessing white political consultants mismanage the excuse me, mismanaged the motivations behind black men's participation in electoral politics. He shares, the Black Male Voter Project was founded as a way to address all of the problems that are inherited in traditional campaigning, meaning the temporary way in which campaigns show up trying to convince black men whatever candidates or party they are selling is the best candidate or it's the most important election. None of that reigns true, especially when you consider the lessons learned from uh, Maslow hierarchy and needs. They tell you a person or people without having their basic needs met cannot consider things that are self-actualization. That's pretty deep. Then he goes on to say, because of the way we present politics in this country, the way we play them in a temporary, keyword, measure in an electoral cycle instead of having consistent relationships with people, they seem like self-actualization and not as tools to address what's really alienating Black men. The Black Male Voter Project is here to make the relationship between Black men and voting consistent and more effective by communicating with Black men in a more permanent manner, doing the work year-round and not solely in election cycles. Robinson reveals that his organization is presenting politics to Black men as a tool to address some of the things that are alienating them, not as an end-all be all to all the problems ailing black men. Based on statistics from voter files, digital database that record who is registered to vote and who has voted in past elections, nearly half, 50% now, nearly half of the black men in this country that are registered to vote have not voted in six consecutive federal elections. Now that's shameful. That's shameful. And I know a lot of black men who are eligible to vote and they will not. Come on, black men. We got to step up our game because right now you are the number one target of anything negative that's happening in America, at least. I don't know about the other countries. We're getting gunned down. I mean, men and women, but I'm talking about the black men. When you're born, you're cursed, whether you've done anything wrong. If you look a certain way, people are fearful of you. So we, you know, I don't care if you don't think your vote counts or not. I just want you to act like it does and at least vote and, and show that you are. I mean, 50 percent is a lot. And and then you look at the prison rates and, and all the all the different things that percentage wise black men outnumber everybody else. Although black men are not to me all the criminals. You know, I think we probably got a lot more criminals of other races. They're just not caught or punished as severely as black men. So what I want to do on this Fantastic Fellows Friday, before I even go any further with this article and talk about Mr. Robinson, is to encourage our black men to fight for their lives at the voting boxes as well. Not just in protest, not just uh, maybe writing your legislation. Definitely do those things. 
but vote because I I have these conversations with my white coworkers all the time. And they say stuff to me like, well, we know y'all won't vote anyway. So, and to hear that, I can't comment on it because as a black female, I know that the black woman, is, we out there, we getting out there. But to see all this, I didn't know it was this bad with the black male. So come on, guys, we got to, we got to do this. Mr. Robinson is just one example of what someone's trying to do to get the information to you and to the politicians who want you to vote for them. Because I do agree with this article. Don't just come to my church to talk about you want my vote and um, you ain't been in my community ever. You probably don't even know that much about my church, but it's a political thing to get the black vote. They come into the churches all the time during election year. I just want to put my two cents in on that. Robinson emphasizes, if you consider that number, now he's talking about the 50% of black registered men who did not vote. And we know the way to increase a group's participation is to spend more on their resources. Why then is the Democratic Party continuing to campaign the way they do? Now he calling out the Democrats, so Democrats listening and politicians listening. And I'm going to post this on at Democrats on Twitter and Instagram or whatever. So the Dem Democrats need to understand, because right now, as of this day, this Friday, October 29th, the Democratic Party is in shambles right now trying to get basic things. And these are the type of things that affect us. These these packages, these infrastructures, these, uh, well, the Voting Rights Act. We can't, we can't just keep doing this and think it's going to be okay. So Democrats, you need to go on and do what you need to do. But Republicans, now let's not forget about them because every black doesn't vote for Democrats. I mean, I voted for Republicans. I'm an independent voter registered as a Democrat, but I do vote for Republicans that I feel are looking out for my interests. So politicians need to get it together, but we can't let Democrats take us for granted. We know the Republicans really don't care. They just hope to get us on board, but hopefully Republicans in the future will start looking out for other um, races and um, and try to just bring everybody together. But I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> emphasize y'all. Come on. Anyway, um, Democrat parties continue to campaign the way they do, especially when black men, along with black women, are their leading base voters, which is true. Yet the same consultants are getting all the money. Campaigns hire political consultants to help them strategize, reach specific voters, raise funds, as well as ensure voters are aware of the candidate's party platform. Yet it's not BIPOC, I don't know what that means, that are speaking to these voters. Robinson elaborates, the Democratic Party spent more than $11 billion on the general election. Democrats and Republicans spent another $800 million on a runoff, yet still over 95% of that went to white political consultants and less than 5% went to consultants of color. Now that in itself is telling you what's going on. Pew Research data spanning more than 20 years assert that BIPOC, I don't know what that is, register voters, B-I-P-O-C is what it is, it's in all caps, register voters heavily skewed Democratic, giving the party a major advantage. Now he goes on to say, we are the majority of the Democratic voting bloc percentage-wise, yet still we get fractions of the money they spend on consultants to run the elections. This is how we fail epically. 
This is why we celebrate 65% and 70% turnout in election cycles as if that is something superior when you are spending money on voters that don't really listen to your message or or have not listened to your message in years. Now, he's referencing the white voters who Democratic consultants' clients chase after, conservative voters at that, instead of spending those resources on black men. So what he's saying is they chase after these white voters because everybody knows the majority of the Democratic voters are black, but they spend their money trying to get the white voters who are conservative, and they usually go on and vote for the Republican Party anyway. So you're wasting money on voters that probably won't vote for you, but those who will, you will not spend that money on black consultants or probably even in the black community. Now, he said he's proud of the work his organization has completed specifically in the past election cycle. And um, he says, we were in 17 states this cycle, Georgia is some of the most powerful work as it pertains to confirming what we already know at the Black Male Voter Project and what we are trying to get the white consultant class and Democratic Party to accept, which is you cannot approach people two months before an election cycle and and expect to have successful efforts and high turnouts consistently. Now, let me stop right there because that's what I was saying about the church. I noticed that the the church, right before election, all the politicians sit in the front row and they stand out, especially if they're Caucasian, because if it's all black church, of course, you're going to stand out. So this is what this is what I was talking about. He quotes as saying, by using our tactics, our black male voter project approach we were able to increase black men's participation in Georgia significantly. Of the 1 million black men in Georgia that are registered to vote, 460,000 have not voted in six consecutive elections. And our program engaged all of them, all of those brothers. We engaged all 1 million black men in Georgia, but we spent a significant amount of our time targeting those 460,000 black men. What we were able to do through our program was to increase the number of those brothers that voted by more than 20%. Now he emphasizes these 460,000 black men had not voted in six consecutive elections, which means they didn't vote when they had a chance for Barack Obama in 20, uh, 20, 2008 and 2000. 2012, nor did they vote for Stacey Abrams in 2018. Now, Georgia men, y'all should be shameful because I think that our state would be totally different if she was governor compared to Kemp. And um, it says we were able to move that demographic to the polls this election cycle, 144,000 in the primaries, and then in the general election, 104,000 came back. You know, and it says, you know, wow, this is so deep. Mr. Robinson, I'm glad I saw you because this is really, really a good but sad thing at the same time. Now, it says, while Robinson has yet to receive all the numbers by demographic for the runoff, he's confident that this is the highest voter turnout in black for black men. If the 2020 election cycle taught us anything, it's undoubtedly that it's essential to engage our black voters if we truly want to 
enact change and have the opportunity to shift policy in ways that benefit black cons- constituents. Whoo, wow. Mm-mm-mm. Even through the 2020 election, I mean, even though the 2020 election is over and we have a Democratic president as well as control of the House and Senate, the work is not yet done. And that's a good point. Now, Georgia, don't forget, you can vote this Tuesday if you're registered all over the country that there's elections going on Tuesday. Get out and vote all races. But the black male definitely get out and vote. Now, the organization he has also has aspirations to create seven vocational schools and partner with divinity schools to form a certification process for people who want to go into ministry. Wow. Now, he disclosed they are mainly focusing on brothers, meaning black men, coming out of the prison system so as to reboot their life in a way that does not have them back in the prison system or working in meaningless jobs that does not allow them to provide for their family or be a productive citizen. Now, that's pretty big. In addition, they're doing a lot of training by teaching black men how to be community leaders and form organizations themselves and get involved beyond the voting box. He is focused on what he defines as the three top issues for black men, adding trade back in schools to remove ourselves from the racist hiring process that exists in employment. Wow, that's pretty big. Adding protection against racist police departments and officers and pushing the end to cash bail. See, I didn't even know the bail. I mean, is that every city or state? I didn't know that. I thought credit card. I don't know. I don't know if cash bail means literally cash or uh, just money. I, I'm not really sure. But let me just re- reiterate this quote he had. Because of the way we present politics in this country, the way we play them in a temporary measure in an electoral cycle instead of having consistent relationships with people, they seem like self act actualization and not as tools to address what really alien black men and that's quotes from w mondell robinson wow i'm glad i saw this because i was really um intrigued by the interview which i'm gonna let you all hear what i heard and so they talked to him about you know um wanting to help and he says um in an article from may 2019 that when I was a kid, I used to watch my father do amazing things for people all the time. He fixed roofs, lay drywall, pour concrete for entire driveways. We were extremely poor and I could never understand why. I thought, my dad is an anomaly. How can you be so great as a person and still suffer from poverty? Now, that's a good question as a kid and as a grown-up in the black community. As I grew older, I realized my dad was not an anomaly. Most black men his age were similarly situated, but were crippled in some way. My dad, for instance, earned a felony when he was a young boy for defending his mother against white supremacy. Knowing that his struggles were all too common for black men and watching America snuff out his greatness were my marching orders and the reason I fight for the betterment of my community. 
I wound up doing campaign work for a long time. And one thing I noticed right away was that most of the people who determine what's said about politics generally, generally, but progressive politics more specifically are white men. Now, I can say anybody that know me in Georgia, know I was they asked me with Stacey Abrams, my sister, the way I campaigned for her when she ran for governor and also for the two Senate seats here in Georgia. I was all over the place making sure people got out to vote. I would take them to the poll if I had to. And one of the things that he's saying here, I noticed it as well. All the people that are involved in the campaigns that were doing small things, big things, whatever, they were predominantly white males. And there were some white females, but they were predominantly non-black, I'll say that. And that, that was kind of concerning to me. Wow. And he goes on to say, the messaging they convey doesn't speak to my life experience as a black man. I mean, excuse me, my lived experience as a black man. It's not motivating to me or to the brothers I know, uncles, cousins, friends, men like my father. It is well known that voting is a habit that's formed when resources are spent on it, and black men aren't a priority when it comes to spending money on elections. That was the genesis of the Black Male Vote Project. Our goal isn't just to make voters out of black men, but to foster this idea of voting on issues that are important to us. We don't outright support candidates. We support issues important to black men. Amen. Amen. That's what I say. I don't just support candidates. I definitely support issues important to me and my community and my race as well. I'm not going to lie. Anything that I can support for black people to be elevated to try to get to a, a even playing field because we we got to get there first we're already down well we got to get to just even and let alone escalate it um i'm sorry i just had to put my two cents in you know and he says we're seeking to combat the narrative that black men are um apathetic that they're apathetic towards politics Wow. Being a black man in America is a political statement and it is impossible to watch politics from my body when the result of so much of the politics of this country has been this subjugation of me and folks who look like me. You can't discount the impact that's had on the mental health of black men either. And yet mental health is not considered part of the fight for revolution as it pertains to white supremacy. Imagine what hundreds of years of slavery have done to the psyche and the soul and the make of black bodies in this country. There's a direct correlation between voting and people's health, especially for black men. Wow, that's pretty deep. We know we're overrepresented in the prison population, which means we are less likely to have voting rights. The Florida prison system did a study a few years back, and they found that people with restored voting rights were less likely to go back to prison. Well, if that's the case, I think everyone who serves their time in prison should have their rights restored. That should be a federal law. That's just my opinion. Every time that I'm silent about inequality, I think about my mother who would pretend to laugh to lessen the impact. When she would tell me stories about being sprayed with a fire hose when she was nine years old for no reason other than being downtown after dark, she couldn't run and hide because she also had groceries for her siblings in her arms. Wow, this is this is good. And so she had to pick up the groceries while being sprayed. The white man who did it was still in elect 
oh, the white man who did it was still an elected, I mean, excuse me, an elected office as the fire chief. When I was growing up, wow, whenever I'm silent, I feel as though I'm selling my mother out. How we define success with our organization in the end is more complex than simply getting more black men to vote. We're building long-term relationships. We hold focus groups called Brothers Be Voting and populate the room with brothers who don't normally participate in politics, people from the street and from underground economies, so we hear what the barriers are. That way, we can work to remove them and help Black men start believing in the electoral process. Wow. I really am glad I did do this. Um episode on him. And ironically, I was watching Don Lemon on CNN a couple days ago, and he's from Louisiana. And he had some black men on his show, which I'm going to do some more research on them. And I may do them next Friday because they're trying to make a difference too. It's not about voting. It's just about uh, trying to do, we have to start doing things for ourselves, all races, but the black community, especially. And me and some of my friends always have conversations talking about how at this stage in our lives, it's really sad that a lot of black people, men and women don't really care about politics at all. Yet the, uh, right now in a lot of States, the Republican state uh, center senators are changing the voting laws and changing a lot of rights for black people specifically. Um, that we had and took advantage of and and took for granted and they're slowly taking things away from us so black men please consider if you're registered to vote and your state is having an election on tuesday please consider voting but what i want to do is play this interview that um i saw and i want you guys to just listen to w mondale robinson he is uh the founder of black male voters project Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek. Thank you so kindly for being here with us. We have a great, a, a, a great activist out here right now with us. Uh, Mondale Robinson usually says W. Mondale Robinson is here with us. He is the founder of the Black Male Voter Project. He's also the National Political Director for Democracy for America. He's a political contributor to the Village Celebration. And I know that he also has a podcast that he's going to tell us about. Anyhow, welcome to Politics Done Right, Senor Mondale. How are you doing today? Peace, brother. It's good to see you outside of the confines of Netroots. So I ain't get to shake hands with you this year because of COVID, but it's good to see you. Hey, it's great seeing you, man. I, I, I tell you, you know, I'm from original from Central America. And we're a huggy, huggy culture. And this is hard on me. This COVID thing is hard on me. But you know what? Yeah. I'm going to see you. Hopefully, we're going to all be taken care of that we can see each other in August when we uh, have Netroots 2021. We'll see what happens then. Anyhow, Mondale, how you been? Man, busy, man. Um, trying to, one, survive COVID, make sure I'm safe, and also ensure that uh, you know the, the politics of black men are heard and also seen in this country. So, yeah, super busy with that, not to mention... Uh, the stuff we do at Democracy for America and the podcast Clickbaity Political Thirst Trap. I'll tell you what, let's let's go give you a plug for that first. Tell tell us a little bit about your new it's a new podcast, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we started it um, in March of last year. So, you know, we've, we've been going strong, man. And it started out as an evening podcast. We did it two times a week. And then uh, right in the middle of it, we saw that it was something bigger than, and, and folk were vibing with it. So we took it to a morning podcast. So every morning around 8.30-ish to around 10.30 to 11 o'clock, we're on air um, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, just streaming live, man, at the Ben Dixon Network. Um, oh, you're working with Ben yeah, Dixon. Okay. Are ben Dixon and Marcus Farrell. Great. Ben joined the podcast later. Excellent. Give us the link that folks can go to to pick up that podcast website and so forth. Yeah, so the easiest way to get the podcast is go to Facebook and go to Clickbaity Political Thirst Trap. Clickbaity Political Thirst Trap, and you can find the podcast. I mean, we have some big, whole, uh, some great visitors. We had uh, Cornell West uh, this past week. We had Nomiki Gontz. We had, um, yeah, we have a ton of people come join the show, man. It's a wonderful conversation. It's a safe space for black men political thought. So it was formed as a, uh, you know, a byproduct of black male voter project. Well, excellent. What I'll do is uh, when, when I get this blog out and this show up, I'll tag you guys directly on the on the blog as well. Anyhow, tell me a little bit about uh, Black Voter, Black Male Voter Project. Why did you Why did you found this um, this organization? Uh, because I was in politics for twenty years, and uh, and I didn't hear any of the white consultants that control uh, democratic or progressive politics speaking in a way that was conducive to increasing Black men's participation in electoral politics. Uh, we know that nearly half of the black men in this country that are already registered to vote, nearly half of the black men in this country that are already registered to vote have not voted in six consecutive elections. And that's not a critique of black men because we know people turn out to vote because resources are spent on them. And since no one was spending resources to prioritize black men, it was weird to believe that you were going to increase black men's participation in electoral politics, especially when you couple the fact that they weren't prioritizing our needs and also the fact that black men don't have their basic needs met. And if you consider the lessons learned from Maslow hierarchy of needs, that tells us if a person don't have their basic needs met, they can't think about things that are self-actualization. And the way we play politics in this country, it seems a self-actualization. And so black men didn't have time to think about voting because no one was talking to them about the fact that uh, politics could really address, uh, if done properly, it could address the fact that we are transient in housing, <coughs> that we are underemployed, that we are, if we are even employed, that we can use <coughs> politics to address the fact that we are over-sentenced or over-represented in those who are killed by cops or over-represented in those who are suspended or expelled from school. These are all political issues that weren't being presented to black men in a real way. The way the politics come to black men are a very transactional way two months before an election, talking about uh, a candidate prioritizing a personality or talking about a party that didn't really speak to the needs of black men. So we, re we, threw, we threw all traditional campaigning out of the window and revamped the way we came up with politics and how we played politics and presented it to black men in the hope that we can expand the election and bring more brothers out to the poll. I think that is so important. You know, one of the other things that I'd like to, and I'd like you to address this as well, there's a whole lot of, I mean, there were millions of dollars, billions of dollars that was spent in the last election. And uh, what I noticed is a whole lot of consultants get 
these $10,000 contracts, these $15,000 contracts, these $50 million contracts. But somehow, uh, from what I've understood, uh, the different groups that comprise, let's say, the Democratic Party, it's usually not spread out to these different ethnicities, people who can better address within their communities that which will bring people out to vote. Is that part of what you, the, the reason that you formed this to ensure that you can say, this is what I represent, you want this vote, fund this vote? I mean, so, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not all, I mean, the Democratic Party on the presidential election last cycle, 2020, spent $1.3 billion, and less than 5% of that went to people of color. Not just black people, less than 5% went to all people of color. So when you consider that, uh, less than 5% of the consultants of that 1.3 billion went to black people, when black people overwhelmingly make up the democratic base percentage-wise, it is absolutely weird. Um, yeah, I think, I think our, our, our reasoning and our, uh, the reason we founded Black Male Voter Project has everything to do with the fact that, and everything to do with the fact that, uh, we needed to address our issues in, a, in an effort to bring black men to the poll, to expand the number of brothers that were voting, and we could no longer wait on the Democratic Party and all of its auxiliary, including its candidates, to do the work of engaging us in a way that was, uh, one, culturally appropriate, and also one that was effective. So we created Black Male Voter Project not as a benefit to the Democratic Party, but as a benefit for our community, because we know when black men vote, uh, there are more progressive ideas and candidates elected, and that's beneficial to the entirety of our community. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to end, um, stop this. This is an actual uh, interview I saw him on YouTube on uh, Politics Done Right. I don't know who uh, Engelbert to Willis. I don't know who this gentleman is, but obviously this is his show. I just wanted to give you, because this is a long interview, I don't want to play the whole interview. I just wanted to give you, as I always do, um, something, an audio of the person's own words. And these are the words of W. Mondale Robinson. And this was done January 12th, 2021. So this was after the election and before... Um, President Biden was sworn in, but I, I the reason why I wanted to play it because the title is why he founded the Black Male Voter Project, and I wanted you guys to hear that in his own words. And you also heard him talking about his podcast, which you can go and check out. And of course, all the information is in this clip that you just heard. So um, that was the reason why, like I said, this is only a partial part of the interview. The interview is very long, but I wanted you to hear Mr. Robinson in his own words. Before I close out this episode, <clears throat> I always like to go to people's website, and I just want to read the two paragraphs of the Black Male Voter Project. We're we are and why we exist on their webpage. And I'm going to uh, read why we exist first. The history of the United States is a story about the disenfranchisement of millions based on their blackness. More than a hundred years of violent voter suppression, poll taxes, literacy tests, and gerrymandering have created a climate that is nothing shy of hostile, hostile towards black men that choose to stand up and be a part of the electoral process, even if that is being just a casual voter.
So if the opposition knows how to suppress the participation of black men, then our only response must be to support a campaign that reverses these ideas. The issue of low black male voter participation can be addressed by dedicating oneself to reversing these neo-colonial ideas. That is what their webpage says, why they exist. Now, they have a topic that says where we are. While Black Male Voter Project is the only, and I'm going to say that again, is the only national organization focused solely on increasing Black men's participation in electoral politics, we do have 17 priority states. In these states, we run our full BM, well, Black Male Voter Project at editorial approach campaigns, which includes digital targeting, our club ambassador program, phone banking, peer-to-peer texting, and relation relational organizing. Our goal is to make more than 300 million voter attempts targeting Black men in an effort to close the voter gap with Black women and Black men from 10% to four percent. So I hope that this information for all people, but especially black men when it comes to voting, is informative and gives you an opportunity to rethink registering to vote if you have not and rethink voting if you have not and are registered. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. We are also now on Instagram, and forgive me because I'm still trying to learn Instagram, but we are are on Instagram also at Advocacy Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723 or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com and you know my favorite question is what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.